I was driving home on 4th of July and I was like on my street. And when I got home, my mom was like, there's a bear down the street. I was like, oh my gosh, no way I want to go see. So I get back in the car. I don't know why I felt like I needed to do this, but I get back in the car. I keep my headlights off and I drive down the street and it's probably about 10 PM. So I keep the headlights off and I'm driving and I have my windows down and then I hear something and it's the sound of a baby bear. And I'm like, oh no. Welcome back to Drive With Us, a podcast where we explore driving cultures around the world by bringing on a new guest every episode to talk about the crazy things they've experienced on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bhavni. And I'm Taranjeet. But before we get into who today's guest is, we have a little quick car keeping. I'm still getting used to that segment title. But And now for some car, car keeping. keeping. Honk, honk. Okay. <laughs> if you would like to help support your two favorite chauffeurs, aka your two favorite podcast hosts, well, have no fear because there are so many ways you can help support us. And feel free to forward pass this if you're like, I just want the driving stories. Give me those crazy driving stories. It's okay. Go ahead. But if you're still listening and didn't fast forward, thanks for sticking around. As indie podcasters who wear many hats to make this podcast possible. We are working around the clock between our three-hour round-trip commutes, working a full-time job, and also podcasting. As a result, we sacrifice a lot of our time so we can create this podcast. And no, this is not a way for us to make you feel bad or feel pity for us or anything. We just want to be fully transparent and be honest with you guys so you can have a little behind the scenes of what makes this podcast actually happen. So if you're like, okay, well, what can I do to help support my favorite show? Well, we're glad you're asked. For the price of absolutely free, you can help spread the word about our show by simply sharing it with your friends and family. It truly does help us. And if you're like, well, I want to provide more support than just simply sharing your show. Well, you can become a patron on Patreon or buy us a coffee by searching for our show, Drive With Us Podcast. And by becoming a patron, you get lots of extra fun perks like a DWAP sticker or air freshener, our episodes one week early, and lots more. Check it out. Let's get into today's driver. Today's driver is Harley Keller, a photographer, coffee enthusiast, and host of the Ranch Collective podcast. She loves true crime, Taylor Swift, and dogs. Originally from California, Harley now lives in Texas, and she shares with us about the time she accidentally cut someone off only to have them follow her home, her fiance's motorcycle accident, and being charged at by a mama bear. Let's meet today's driver, Harley Keller. Welcome, Harley. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm super excited to hear all your driving stories. So let's start with what you would say is one of the most craziest driving experiences you have had. Okay, so hands down, the craziest driving experience that I've had would have been, so I lived in... Reno, Nevada for while I was in college and I met my fiance and he was living in Great Falls, Montana. And my best friend lived in Tucson, Arizona, which is a 15 hour drive from Reno. She was getting married. So I drove down, he flew down. And then when I was driving back, I looped around through Los Angeles, which is four and a half hours from Tucson, four and a half hours from Phoenix. So about 
six hours from Tucson and then drove home a couple days later to Reno. So from that part of Los Angeles, it is a nine hour drive back to Reno. And there's two highways that run that way. I don't know where the majority of your listeners are from, if any of them are from the California, Central California area, but there's five, which runs parallel to 99 from all the way south to all the way north in California and through parts of Oregon, depending on where you are. And normally we take five because it's a lot faster. It's newer. It's a little bit wider, but there are some unforeseen construction. So normally it's a nine, nine and a half hour drive. It took me 14 hours. Wow. So I'm planning on, yeah. So I'm planning on getting home at like maybe six or 7 PM and it turned into nine or 10. And then I hit traffic in Sacramento and it turned into, I didn't get home until almost 2 AM. I get up the next morning and then I get news that my now fiance, then boyfriend of three months was in a motorcycle accident in Great Falls, which is a thousand miles away from Reno. That next day I drove that thousand miles, 15 hours all the way up to Great Falls. Wow. You have, you have literally been from state to state to state. Was he okay? Was the accident serious? Yeah. So he was okay. But what had happened was, is he was riding his motorcycle down near the river in Great Falls and around a blind corner came a car and it was in his lane and clipped his back end and launched his bike into the river. And he would have been in the river, but a tree hit his leg and broke his fall. So he wound up with four or five bruised ribs on one side, four or five broken ribs on the other side. He broke his leg down really close to his ankle, separated both of his shoulders, had lacerations in his liver, was really bruised, but he was only in the hospital for like three days. So he was okay enough that once they made sure all of his internal organs, he wasn't bleeding internally or anything. He was at home. It was a lot in like four or five days. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I can imagine. Wow, that must have been one crazy, hectic week. Only five days too. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a whirlwind of a a week. Wow. So while you're on this drive or trip from like state to state to state, did you, well, how would you describe the drivers in the different states? And did you see any differences in between the drivers? Yeah. So I actually learned in part to drive in Los Angeles, which is kind of known, especially in the part of the country where I'm from. I grew up in Northern California and I went to college in Northern Nevada. So it's kind of pretty well known for having like crazy drivers who don't really care. They'll just cut you right off. They don't care. So I learned to drive in a pretty aggressive environment and comparing that to the two lane highways of where my parents live in Northern California, there's a really, really big difference. There's always a super big difference between little towns, small cities, and then big cities. I've even noticed it here where I live now. The difference between like drivers in Dallas versus the drivers up closer to where we were living just a couple months ago. But for sure, the Los Angeles drivers are much more aggressive. And Great Falls, even though it's one of the big, bigger cities in Montana, I think it's like the second or third biggest. It's still very much like everyone's so polite. They use their turn signals. They don't cut you off. And I think that's definitely been my experience in smaller cities and little towns. That's really interesting to hear that people actually use their turn signals. Okay, let me tell you. So I live in Austin now, just moved a couple months ago. And 
everyone uses their turn signal. I think I've been cut off once in the two months that I've lived here. But that person still used their turn signal to get over. They were just rude about it. Wow. Well, at least they let you know, I guess, that they were going to do that. Yeah, they just went for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's really surprising. Like I've heard that even drivers in Texas are because speeds are a lot faster. Generally, they're a lot more aggressive, but people still use their signals. That's interesting. I would say there's a difference between being like an aggressive driver and being a rude driver in lots of parts in California. And I was guilty of it, too, when I lived there. Like nobody really used their turn signals. The only reason they were turning is that they were slowing down or all of a sudden there they were in front of you. But here and driving here, having driven across the state a few times, so the drivers are aggressive, but Texas has some pretty strict road laws. So like if it's a two lane or a three, not a two lane highway, but like two ways each direction. So a four lane highway or a six lane highway, that left lane is for passing only. So you have to stay in the right lane or the right two lanes unless you're passing. That makes it a little bit safer to have those higher speed limits because yeah, their speed limits here on the highways are 70, 75 80 i think there's a couple of 85s the law enforcement is much more strict about enforcing that particular law and then on two-lane highways it's i don't know if it's technically the law but it seems to be the standard is if you're on a two-lane and someone's right behind you you just pull over like you don't have to stop or slow down you can just move over to the shoulder and let that person go past you it's a lot safer that way here it's also their shoulders on like pretty much every road Where I grew up in California and in northern Nevada, there's a lot of twisty, windy highways that are two-lane roads, but there's no shoulder on them. So you can't pull over to get out of the way except for their specific pullover spots. But here in Texas, there's always a shoulder. So you can always move out of the way. And it seems people are pretty good about actually doing that. That's, That's a new one. I have never heard that people actually will just pull over when they see someone coming fast behind them. Yeah, but they don't slow down to pull over. They like maintain their speed. They just move out of the way if there's no way for them to pass. Like if it's a double yellow line or something, they'll just move out of the way. I noticed that was particularly true with where we lived up close to Dallas. There's there's a lot of farm equipment that was on some of the roads and it made it safer and easier to navigate them. But okay, in Texas, I just realized this blew my mind when I moved here. In Texas, they have, see how normally like in a U-turn, you have to wait at a stoplight for the light to turn and then you can make a U-turn. In Texas with the frontage roads, which is like the big roads that run, it's like your entry and exit onto the freeway systems. They have a highway that runs next to it and there's a whole U-turn lane. So at a stoplight, there will be going from right to left. There's your right turn lane, you're going straight lane, your left turn lane, and then a U-turn lane. It's only for U-turns and it like bypasses the light. It doesn't take you all the way up. It's its own lane to U-turn around. That's really cool. I wish they had that here on the East Coast. That'd be nice. Yeah, it's amazing. I was like mind blown because my fiance was trying to explain it to me. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. That doesn't even make any sense. And then I saw it. I was like, God, this, I'll never go back. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I can't, I can't. Gotta live here forever now. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder with people doing the whole pulling over to the shoulder, do you think that has decreased road rage? I think so. 
So people always talk about Southern hospitality and how people in general in the South are more family-oriented, more community-oriented, et cetera, et cetera. I know that's a really big stereotype, and it's one that I definitely held before moving here. I think that that's part of it, but I also think that like very instilled into the culture in this area is just being kind and looking out, basically looking out for your neighbor. And so that helps like, oh, I'm not going to drive 10 miles per hour over the speed limit, but if this truck behind me wants to, I should just get out of their way. So that way I don't create problems for them. That that's really like part of the culture here. Does this decrease how many people actually overtake one another since this is more of a common practice? You know, I'm not sure. When I lived in northern Nevada and have accidentally cut somebody off because I didn't see them or, you know, a speeding to try to get around somebody and maybe not driving the safest that I could be. I've been followed home from being on the freeway because somebody was so angry. And I, li- I lived there for eight years and was driving for four years previous to that. So in about 12 years, I was followed a number of times. And I've been here for just short of two years and haven't had a single road rage incident that I've either caused or have been angry about. Wait, these people followed you home? Were, were you like scared or nervous that there was someone following you? Oh, yeah. I was terrified. So when I first moved to Reno, I had an apartment that was in not the best area. And I was still finding my way around and I accidentally got in a left turn lane when I needed to be in the right turn lane. So instead of just making the left turn and flipping around, I was like, oh, it's midnight. There's nobody out here. So I just pulled over really quickly into the right turn lane. But of course, there was somebody pulling out of a parking lot and I inadvertently cut them off on accident. And they followed me almost all the way to my apartment. I didn't pull into the apartment complex. I called the guy who I was dating at the time and said, what do I do? Because I was either 17 or 18. And he was like, you're going to go past the apartments. You're going to drive through the neighborhood that's behind them. You're going to flip around and you're going to come back to my house. He was like, you're not leading that person to the apartment complex where you live. Yeah, I was going to say, like, did you just keep driving until they decided they didn't want to follow you anymore? I got all the way, I got all the way back to his house and parked and they just drove by. So I wonder if they're like, okay, now I know where this person lives. Were they planning on coming back or did you ever have them come back? No, not that I know of. And I mean, it's very possible that they did. And I was just not ever made aware of it. That particular individual and that individual's family have really strong ties to law enforcement in the area. So it's very possible that they did come back and were told to not do that again or something like that. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that is scary. I'm so glad that they didn't actually get out and do anything. (laughs) Right. I'm glad I went back to his house. He was waiting for me in the front yard. And I think once that person saw that I was clearly not going back to where I lived, I went somewhere else. Maybe they just got scared. They're like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's good that you haven't experienced any road rage in texas that's really interesting so of the states that you have driven in which state would you say you prefer to drive in probably texas or montana but there's really big wild animals in montana there's lots of moose elk big deer bears so that makes it a little bit scarier to be driving there particularly at night in texas it's just there's hogs there's deer there's coyotes, but I'm not going to probably die if I hit a hog. Have you ever had an animal encounter? Yes. When I lived in Northern California still, where I lived is really close to the Lake Tahoe area. So it's 
lots of forests, lots of hiking, outdoorsy stuff, lots of wildlife. And I was driving to my friend's house who lived a little bit out of town and coming back or coming back from her house with her in the car. We were driving my mom's Ford F-250 and I saw this deer crossing the road. So I slowed down and I like watched it to make sure it wasn't going to turn around and bolt back. But what I didn't see is the second deer that was with it and I clipped him. But then that deer just got up. I pulled over after I hit him and I was freaking out. I was crying. I was 16 or 17. I was like, oh my God, I just hit a deer. I'm hysterical. And my friend's like, the deer's gone. I was like, stop it. And I, we turn around, we walk back over there and there's no deer. It was just gone. It must've gotten back up after I clipped it. Deer are very resilient. Taranji just hit a deer and it was completely unfazed. Yeah, I had an instance. I don't know how like it sounds like yours wasn't that severe of a hit either. So I had a moment where it was a male deer and he just walked in front of my car without me realizing and I hit the brakes in time but still hit him and he flew across the other side. Decided to come back and stood in front of my car and just stared at me. I was like, all right, (laughs) this is great. That's really sad. Listen, the first time I hit a rabbit in northern Nevada, there's rabbits literally everywhere. And I hit one on my way home one time and I cried. I literally pulled over to the side of the road and I was just crying. I told my fiance and he was like, you need to get it together. It's just like in the moment you're like, oh no, what do I do? What happened? You weren't expecting it and it happened. You don't know what to do in that moment. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I did have a bear charge my car once though. What? <laughs> so <Not anymore. laughs> I was driving home on 4th of July and I was like on my street and we used to have, we used to have bears all the time there just because of where it was. And one of my, when I got home, my mom was like, there's a bear down the street. I was like, oh my gosh, no way I want to go see. So I get back in the car. I don't know why I felt like I needed to do this, but I get back in the car. I keep my headlights off and I drive down the street. I live on the, like a very rural street. Five people live on the street and it's probably about 10 PM. So I keep the headlights off and I'm driving and I have my windows down and then I hear something and it's the sound of a baby bear. And I'm like, Oh no. And I flip my headlights on and somehow this baby bear is off to my left and the mom is right dead in front of me. I've never put my car in reverse so fast. She chased me all the way down the street. Oh my God. (laughs) It sounds like a movie scene. It does. That's what it felt like. And I drove at the time, I drove a 2002 Kia Sportage. So it was, it was a really small SUV, like a Jeep Wrangler, but more compact. So the bear was not that much smaller than the car. It was a very small car. So I was like, uh, gotta go. Bye. It was so scary. I almost peed my pants. Yeah, I guess you're probably regretting the choice of wanting to go see this bear after that. It was a very cool experience, but would not recommend it for anyone else. (laughs) Do not try this at home. Yeah, no, don't do it. So now that we've heard your crazy driving experiences, let's go into what type of driver you are. Are you the kind of person who enjoys driving and would prefer to be the driver or would you rather be the passenger? I love driving. I want to be the driver every single time. I used to commute when we lived up near Dallas. I used to commute an hour and 20 minutes each way for work. And I get a nice, quiet, reflective time most of the time for me. The only exception is if I'm going somewhere with my fiance, then he gets to drive. I don't like driving if he's in the car, which sounds so weird. He's And we're both good drivers, but I don't know. I feel like he's scrutinizing my driving. So he just drives when we go anywhere. <laughs> 
I feel that way sometimes. It's like, okay, don't judge me. This is how I drive. But I completely relate to your one hour and 20 minutes. We both have about that much of a commute right now. And I still love driving. And sometimes people think I'm crazy because of it. Yeah, so I got a lot of, oh my gosh, you drive so far. And I'm like, but I love it. And it was a really nice, easy drive. And then I got a new car in December of last year. I bought a 2020 Chevy Spark. That just made it even better. I was like, oh, I've got the Apple CarPlay now. I can just listen to podcasts. It's got a decent sound system. It gets killer gas mileage. So I stopped paying an arm and a leg for gas. So I was like, now I can enjoy driving again. Yeah, that makes it a lot more enjoyable when you don't, you're not spending much and you're able to listen and have that enjoyable drive. So you were saying that your fiance, you rather have him drive. So how would you say your family and friends would describe your driving? And would you describe your driving in the same way? Oh, that's a, oh, that's a hard one. Probably. Okay, definitely aggressive. I also like to accelerate fast and brake quickly. Not like slamming on my brakes, but I like to brake quickly. And if I'm driving, I have to know where I'm going. If I, it's not somewhere I'm super familiar with, I need a map up or I need my GPS telling me exactly where to turn because I'm so scatterbrained. A lot of the time I would just, I would literally lose my head if it wasn't attached and not knowing exactly where I'm going makes me so anxious. When I first started driving, I was dating somebody who lived two hours away. And even though I had made the drive with my mom before, or I'd driven with her when I had my permit, the very first time I drove, I was like a ball of anxiety the whole two hours. I was sweating and nervous and scared. And I was, it was just because I was like, what if I don't remember what street they live on? Which is ridiculous because we'd already been together for almost a year at that point in time. I knew exactly what street he lived on. So not knowing where I'm going makes me super anxious when I drive. Yeah, I could totally relate to that. I feel like I have to write down, okay, this is the street. This building's going to come up. Make sure you turn here. I have to have it all written out for myself. Yeah, so back then, this was in like 2009, so we didn't, I didn't have a smartphone yet. And my car was, it was a 2002, so it barely even had a stereo in it. I printed out the instructions on how to get there and had them sitting in my passenger seat the whole time. I, I love now that Google Maps, you can just look at street view or you can actually do satellite view. And I like to be able to see like, okay, well, these are the things that are going to be around my destination. If I see them, I should know I'm there. Yeah. Car technology has gotten so advanced that it just makes everything so much easier now. Yeah, definitely. So you were saying you are an aggressive driver. Would you consider yourself someone who tends to honk or a honker? No, pretty much never. But I have been known to at night flash my brights at somebody as brights at somebody if they don't turn their brights off or I in my fiance's SUV we've got light bars all the way around the top. So we used to use it for camping a lot and so we'd have we put the light bars on so that way we'd be able to see when we were out in the middle of nowhere. And one time someone was being was tailgating me a little too closely and I flashed the light bar right into their driver's eyeballs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hopefully it didn't startle them too much. But did they back off? Oh yeah. What if you like, blinded them? I would have been worried that something would happen if they couldn't see for a little bit. Well, then they shouldn't have been tailgating. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah. I, felt, I felt bad for a millisecond before I did it. I was like, well, what if something happens? And I was like, no, if I have to slow down or stop. So I was in, and I was in the SUV, which takes like a hot minute to slow down, but they were in a truck. 
which slows down slower than me. I was like, so if I have to slam on my brakes or if I have to slow down quickly, I was like, this person's going to rear end me and then I won't be able to stop in time. So I was like, I'll just flash those lights at him really quick. Yeah, that's a good point. Being able, the braking is one of the things you worry about a lot, especially when someone is on your bumper because you're like, I am leaving space for myself to possibly break in a good amount of time. But then if that person doesn't notice, it's going to end in a disaster. Yeah. So speaking of honking and annoying drivers, what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? Unnecessary honking. I've been at a stoplight and the instant the light turns green, someone will lay on their horn. But also the reverse is true, is if someone's doing something else in their car, maybe fiddling with the radio or something, and the light's green, especially if it's like a left turn lane and you only get two seconds to turn, now I have to sit through a whole other cycle because they were fiddling with their radio or something i'll do like a little light light tap not in like a mean way my also okay i totally just remember this because it hasn't been as much of an issue here as it was prior to me moving people don't know how to merge they just will sit there and not let they won't let somebody in or in the or somebody will just get upset and try to go around but everybody's merging and then i don't want to let that person back in (laughs) wow yeah i feel like those are common big pet peeves we've heard is the whole red light issue and then merging. Merging is a big one I've heard a lot because people they tend to confuse yielding and merging in my opinion. That's what I feel like I notice is yes. like they don't know the difference between the two signs. One means stop then go and one means keep going. <laughs> yeah the way like that I was taught is yield means assuming that it's not like a blind corner or something like that. Yield means is you make sure nobody else is coming and then you are good to go. And merging just means you need to get up to the same speed as whatever you're merging into and then get over. Because people just come to like a dead stop. Okay, this happened to me the other day. Someone came to a dead stop in front of me trying to merge onto the freeway. And the speed limit's 70 on this freeway. And I'm like, you're not going to get over safely if you're coming from a dead stop unless you drive a really nice, really high horsepower car. No, that's the opposite of what you need to do. I don't understand why people think that is the solution. Yeah. Or like somebody clearly didn't get over in time for their exit and they were in the middle lane and they just came to a dead stop so they could get over into the right lane to exit. And I'm like, what are you doing? Wait, they just come to a stop in the middle? Yeah. So there was there is a ton of people in that right hand lane. It was like exit lane, right hand lane, middle lane left lane and this person was in the middle lane i was behind them in the middle lane and their right hand lane was packed with people who are going to the next exit or getting over to get off on this exit and this person did not pay attention and they just like stopped until there was a spot for them to get over and no one was like okay maybe i'll just let them in to let the other traffic keep going somebody eventually did but i wouldn't have realized that's what that person was trying to do yeah. yeah, at that point, you just keep going and try to find another way to come back around. Yeah, that's what I would have done. Maybe they didn't know another way. You know, it's like, I need to know where, I, <laughs> where I'm going and that's my exit. <laughs> I must take it. What I've done when I've missed it and I don't know the other way is I just get off at the next exit and make a U-turn and then get back on the freeway. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't think like that, which is what you can see on the road. Just like, you would do that, but they're like, no, this is my only way. <laughs> That was one of the benefits of learning to drive somewhere like Los Angeles is because all roads lead to each other, at least there. And in most big cities, the roads are planned that way. But there's always more than one way to get there. 
Like I learned, okay, if I get off at the next exit, I just have to go one extra block over and then I can cut back or something like that. Yeah, and with like GPSs now, you can, even if you have to go to the next exit, it can help you go back to where you're trying to go. So it's less of a stress or worry now. Yeah, definitely. So now that we know what kind of driver you are, let's go back to your driving first and your first time driving experiences. How would you describe your very first time driving experience and who was it with? So I don't remember the very, very first time that I drove because growing up in a small town, you could get to driving stuff other than cars becomes a very, very normal thing. So like go-karts, golf carts, side-by-side stuff like that. So I don't actually remember the first time I got behind the wheel of a real car, but my very first car was a manual transmission and I struggled. I could not drive it. It took me like six months to learn how to drive it and be safe, really, truly safe driving it. The guy who I'd been dating at the time was about nine or 10 months older than me. So he already had his license and he already had a car. He had a little, a small little pickup and it was also manual transmission. So he tried a number of times to teach me how to drive in that. I don't know how familiar you guys are with how manual transmissions work, but when you go to shift, it's either you're paying attention to like a specific, it's called a tachometer and it's what measures the RPMs in the car. And that's how you know when to shift is when it gets to a certain point or by listening. And his truck didn't have one of those. It was all based off of the sound when you recognize that like your engine was revving too high, then you shift. And I cannot tell you how many times I stalled the truck or my car trying to learn based off of sound rather than staring at my dash. Oh, I bet being able to like hear it is was probably so hard. But now that you know how to do it, you probably can be like, I don't have to look at anything. I know what I need to change and shift as I'm a pro. (laughs) Would you say that you prefer driving manual transmission or automatic? Manual transmission. Although when I went to buy my Spark, I looked, they don't really make a lot of manual transmission cars anymore. Like the new ones, almost none of them are, which is kind of a bummer. But most non-car vehicles are still manual transmissions. Like a lot of like quads are a lot of motorcycle like motorcycles street bikes all that are all manual transmission it just doesn't look the same as a car yeah that and if you ever do plan on driving in another country most other countries have manual transmission so you'll be set you'll be able to drive i didn't know that that makes me so excited (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you won't like go somewhere and then be like oh great now i can't do anything So thinking about your driving test experience, how would you describe that? And were you able to pass it on your first time? Yeah. Okay. I almost failed it the first time because I didn't know the hand signals. And that was if you don't know them, it's an automatic fail, or at least it was at that time where I tested. What what state were you testing in? California. I was like, I know the left turn hand signal and that's it. And so I tried the other two and I got, I got them all right by some miracle but I was told like if I didn't at least attempt it then I would be failed so I tried but I actually had a really really wonderful driving test experience and where I grew up was super rural so there was no big freeways there was one stoplight in the whole town which we drove through and the parallel parking was really easy because there was no other cars because I lived in the middle of nowhere so I had to parallel park and then back up for a hundred feet without hitting the curb Did you have to do that on an actual, like the parallel parking on an actual road or did you have? Yeah, no, it was an an actual road. 
Oh, wow. That's that's interesting. Because when we had to take it, it's like it's an actual separate course on its own. But yeah, having to back up on the street. Good thing no cars came. Yeah, it was really easy. Whenever we talk to a lot of guests, some people say they had to parallel park and others people said that they didn't have that requirement on the test. Do you think that this should be a requirement that's on the driving test or it's okay that it's not part of the requirement? I actually think that it should be left up to the county where the person is testing because my experience parallel parking in Plumas County in rural Northern California where I didn't even see another car when I took my test is very, very different from someone's experience parallel parking in the heart of Dallas, Texas, or in Los Angeles, where in Los Los Angeles, you have to know how to parallel park. So if you're testing in somewhere that's you have to genuinely need to know that skill to even be able to like function as a driver, you should be tested on it. But I think that it's a very useful skill to know. So I'm curious to know, since you got your license in California and then you lived in other states, when you moved to different states, did you have to retake the driving test or were you able to just transfer your license? The way that it worked, so I actually don't have my Texas license yet. I need to dig out a copy of my registration for my car. thought it was in the glove box. It was not. I was going to go do that before this morning before I was on the podcast. Didn't work <laughs> out. So I still have my Nevada license. When I moved to Nevada and got my Nevada license, because I was under the age of 25, I still had to do the written test. I didn't have to redo the driving test, but I had to basically take the written permit test that you take when you get your driver's permit. My fiance had a different experience when he moved. So when he went to switch his license from a Texas license to a Montana license, when he moved up there, it was basically just a transfer. They just needed the proof that he was living there now and he just paid for it. That's interesting to know. I'm always curious if you move from state to state, is it a hassle to get it? Or can you just be like, hey, I've been driving for so long, just transfer my license. So switching gears a little bit, we've learned about your past and your current driving, thinking about the future of driving with the potential of cars starting to be driverless. What are your thoughts on this? And would you get in that car? I have a lot of thoughts on this because I love technology and I think the way technology is evolving is really beautiful and wonderful. So as far as a driverless car, I would, since I haven't interacted with one, haven't been around one, I don't know. I would want to have been in one on some kind of enclosed course or something like that prior to getting in one just on the street. But I have a couple of friends who have been in the self-driving cars that work down in the Silicon Valley in California, and they love them. They're like, this is going to change everything. But that being said, I'm also somebody I like to have a drink with dinner. Or I like to go out and bar hop. And I'm like, that would be something that would be really wonderful for someone who maybe like lives alone or doesn't live super close to where maybe they were going to dinner or something like that. And if they're like a little tipsy and they're like, ooh, can't drive, but I have this driverless car, that's really great. But as people, we have this really, really wonderful ability to prioritize. So if I'm driving and I am coming across someone's pet dog that's clearly loose and is in the middle of the road, I as a human can prioritize, okay, what do I need to do so that I don't hit this dog while also keeping myself safe? Or what do I need to do to not hit this deer while also keeping myself safe? But a machine can't be taught that same type of reasoning like you can do logical functions you can teach the machines but 
there's also an emotional component. And at this time, I'm unaware of any technology that exists that would allow a vehicle to make that kind of a distinction. Yeah, I agree with if you do like have something to drink, then this could potentially help with all the drunk driving and stuff and reduce that because if you have the ability to have your car get you home safely as opposed to you trying to drive while you're impaired, it should theoretically help with reducing DUIs. Yeah, theoretically. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus question time. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? I love that question. I would require physical driving tests like the one we take when we first get our license. I would require them every five years to continue to have your license because I have family members that are guilty of this. You can mail in for your license to get renewed or you can just show up and sometimes you have to take a written test again, but those tests as proven since we only give, we give them to people who haven't been behind the wheel ever like when you get your driver's permit, they don't actually gauge the ability to safely drive. And it's really different on paper than it is actually physically driving. There are people who are driving, maybe who are older or who don't drive a whole lot, or maybe who are very, very anxious about driving, who, in my opinion, have no business having a license because they're not safe driving. I don't want to say it'll help with like accidents that are caused by recklessness, because that's a choice that a driver makes. But I think that it may do a lot to help with some of the driving accidents that happen when people are older or when people are very anxious. You're not the first guest to actually say this. So with taking a driving test is so expensive in and of itself. So would you say that if this was a requirement like every five years, is this something that the state would pay for or is this something that would be a reduced cost? Do you guys know off the top of your head how much it costs to actually take the physical driving test like getting that license versus a renewal or getting the license in a brand new state? No, I don't know in different state. Because I I don't think the difference in cost is that, I mean, for a renewal, it's like 10 bucks or something like that. But I think that driving is a privilege, not a right. And it is a luxury and you pay more for luxury items. And like that might sound classist and in a lot of rural places there's maybe not public transit options available which I also have a lot of opinions about but yeah I think the onus would have to be on the person who's wanting to continue to drive to pay for it. Yeah that's interesting to think now I'm curious to see what the cost is here in our state because I know when you get the permit or the license it's a good amount of money I think it's like 50 or 60 dollars but I don't know about transferring and then maybe if you were like retaking the test it might not be as high of a price because you already proved it once you can like pass the test but maybe you'll be at a reduced price yeah okay i'm looking i'm looking for the state of texas right now okay so the license for age this is just like a regular good old driver's license new is 33 dollars and expires after eight years and a renewal for age 18 to 84 is also $33. The only time it's different is if you're under 18 and it's 16 and it expires when you turn 18, or if you're older than 85 and it's $9. Yeah, I guess it depends on your state. State by state, it will vary in terms of the price of it. Do you have any other final thoughts or any tips you would like to give other drivers? 
Yeah. So since you since you mentioned that you were surprised that people use their turn signal in Texas, use your turn signal, people. <laughs> That's a really good tip. Okay. I I don't know. It's just the <laughs> East Coast. I don't think people they just don't use their signals as they should. I'm always surprised. I'm like, oh my god, they use their signal. <laughs> Before we let you go, I know you have a podcast of your own and also a business. So where can listeners find you if they want to check it out? My podcast is called the Ranch Collective Podcast. It is at Ranch Collective Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And I interview business owners and individuals who are really active in their communities or they're really hardworking because I, in quarantine, found that... There's a lot more appreciation for what your average farmer or rancher does and the hard work that they're doing and the small, like the small ranchers and farmers were getting some of the attention that they deserve because bigger operations got shut down. And then I also run a photography business, photography and graphic design business with my fiance. That's called Polich Company. It's P-O-L-I-C-H Company on Facebook and Instagram as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really fun to hear your crazy driving experiences all across the country. And now we know if we ever come to Texas that people do use their turn signals and that we should move over if someone wants to go around us. Yes. (laughs) Thank you again so much for having me. I forgot how much I love to talk about driving and share stories. I don't get to share these stories very often because... Nobody in my life wants to hear about the stupid things I did driving when I was 16. So (laughs) thanks for letting me talk about it. Well, thank you for coming on. We love hearing all the driving stories. So here's a platform for you if you ever want to come back. Perfect. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll tell my fiance to come and tell his motorcycle story. That'd be awesome. I can't believe Harley thought it was such a great idea to actually go to the bear. And then, of course, immediately she regretted it and yeah. tried to run away. But if someone told you that there was a bear down the street or any animal that, you know, is rare to see, would you have done what she did and got in your car to go see it? I don't know if bears are rare. But... Well, I mean, like, you know, it's not something you commonly see. Like, well, an animal... What if it is there? What if it is? But I'm just saying, like, here yeah. it's not. So, yeah, I wouldn't be like, oh, a bear. I got to go see a bear. How about you? I was thinking about it, and I'm like, no, but then I'm like, we kind of did that in Australia where we went out. <laughs> That's after- true. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, so maybe we would. <laughs> we- <laughs> if you put it like that. <laughs> we followed wild kangaroos, which is not smart on our end. And but they are aggressive, too. Yeah. Those guys are, like, crazy strong, and we could have, mm-hmm. like, got seriously injured. Yeah, good thing they didn't decide to chase us. Yeah, they just kept hopping away, but we got the evil uh, stare from the male. Yeah, he just stood there and stared at us, and we're like, don't make any sudden movements. He's watching us. Yeah. You could hear the whole story of that back on our Australia episode, which, don't remember the episode number, we'll probably link it in the show notes, but the whole bear thing wasn't the only thing that came after her. She actually had someone follow her home, so what would you have done if that happened to you? If someone... It was like late at night and someone was following you home. You know, you always watch those shows and you're like, yeah, you should do this and that. And like, totally. And like, call someone or like, keep driving. And it's like, I don't know if I would have thought of that in the first, like, while you're driving, you're like, oh my God, this person's following me. It's really good that she thought of that and to call her boyfriend. 
Well, yeah, if yeah. you call someone, someone who's not in the situation can be yeah. more rational with you and exactly. give you better advice than when you're freaked out. Yeah. Well, it's like, so I don't know if I would have thought on my own to be like, yeah, just drive somewhere else or keep driving and like, let's get rid of them. And I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how I would have done it, but probably would have called someone and be like, oh, what do I do? Help me. Help me. <laughs> what, are you going to whisper because they can hear you? <laughs> yeah, they can hear me calling someone. I feel like I've had numerous situations when I'm driving in the dark. I'm like, is that person following me? <laughs> but they're not. Just always skeptical. It's like, I'm going to the ends of the earth. Why are you following me? <laughs> I'm going to the ends of the earth. You're also going there? I don't believe this. Well, that was Harley's stories. If you or anyone you know has any crazy driving stories and would like to come onto the show, you can fill out the interest form on our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. And stay tuned until the end for a sneak peek of next week's episode. And don't forget to come hang out with us in our Discord server. Thanks for driving with us. And now, a sneak peek. I was a new driver, but not super, super new. But I knew how to handle ice for the most part. (laughs) And I just wasn't really paying too, too much attention. And I went around a curve and it was slippery and the curve was going to the right and I kept going to the left towards the edge of the mountain road that had no guardrail or anything.